Welcome to Rowan College at Burlington County's Baroness Podcast. I'm Dr. Brooke Myatt, Program Chair and Assistant Professor of our Entertainment Technologies Department. I'm the co-chair of the Women's Advocacy Group, a subcommittee of the President's Advisory Council on Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion. This monthly series highlights women in leadership while encouraging listeners to build their skills, connect with the community, and visualize the opportunities available to women in various professions. Tune in for a female perspective on the Burlington County community. We are here to listen to these amazing women. If you want to hear from women who lead and inspire, this podcast is for you. Happy New Year and Happy New You. Joining us today is Dr. Sean Thomas, former Assistant Director of Financial Aid, Project Manager in the Workforce Development Institute, and now she is the Executive Director of the Adult and Continuing Education and Business Engagement for the Workforce Development Division. Today, we are discussing with Dr. Thomas purpose and preparation, being comfortable with yourself. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you, Brooke. I am so, so happy that you are joining us. And what I have a little tidbit of interesting information about you, your serial entrepreneurship, I need to know about the singing telegram deliverer, because I think that that like opens up a whole world for me looking at you in a different perspective. I kind of want to hire you. I don't know what for yet, but tell me about the singing telegram deliverer. I grew up in a very musical family. And when I was about 16 years old, I wanted to go to a formal. So I needed to save money for it. So one of the ways to generate some income for myself was to deliver singing telegrams. My father had such a silky voice. He sounded just like Billy Eckstein. And I was a kid who grew up on jazz music, and I knew that in my next life, I was going to be the next Nancy Wilson. Wow. Okay. So anything from country, jazz, punk, I sang it all. (laughs) What was the craziest uh, ask of a song? Or did you have like like a list that they had to pick from? Or were you given songs to like rehearse and learn? Like, what was the craziest request. The craziest was Billy Idol. Oh, (laughs) White Wedding or what do we got? White Wedding, but changing Ah. it into Happy Birthday. (laughs) Do you think you could remember it and give us a little piece? Oh, no, never. (laughs) White Wedding uh, set to Happy Birthday. Interesting. Um, That must have been an interesting uh, telegram, but I love it. It and. And so from a young point, a young perspective, you were all you were already trying to figure out unique and creative ways to save money and get the things done that you wanted to do. And now here at RCBC, you're still you're still doing that. Tell us what you do. Tell us what does the executive director of now the continuing education and business engagement for the Workforce Development Division do? I think I have the most difficult title on campus. I think it's the longest title. Yes. Too. Yes. (laughs) So the Adult Basic Education Program is responsible for ensuring that residents in our area achieve the basic skills necessary. So we offer the GED program through that program. Then continuing education can span the gamut. It could be students who already have degrees who just need to upskill in an area. 
for, say, promotion or changes in the industry. Or it could be a student who's unsure as to whether or not they want to go to college and they just want to try it out. So they'll come to continuing education and take a class. What is the greatest part about our department continuing education is that we have lifelong learning. So my students range in age from about 15 to 90. That's a big span. It is. But nobody really sees that. That's not the norm, right? They're not thinking, okay, I can go back and learn new skills and new things. And you just keep my brain active at 70, 80, 90 years old. Absolutely. And that's wonderful that we have the lifelong learning here at RCBC. What, what a nice thing to have. Right. And then our, our fun department, we call that business engagement. <laughs> we get out off of campus and we meet with business and industry professionals. We provide them with training for their employees we look at ways that we can partner together to ensure that our region has the skills needed for whatever the emerging industries are that are coming or to beef up the industries that we already have. There are some gems in this area many people don't even know about. I totally agree with you. What are some of the gems that you're seeing that are popping up that are on your radar now in, in Burlington County? Well, in Burlington County, we have a very close relationship with the federal government. Cybersecurity is one of our biggest programs on, uh, within continuing education. And then healthcare. Healthcare is changing. Most people don't realize that COVID really brought out some things in our society on the healthcare front that now we need to pivot a little to be able to address. It's not just mental health, but by people being at home, not being active, you know, we're looking at occupational therapy, physical therapy, things we weren't looking at before. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think uh, one of the, the newest things that opened up um, about uh, a month ago, because now we're in 2024, this amazing uh, year, uh, our Cooper Health System right here in Burlington County opened up a new facility in Morristown. New palliative care facility, and it is absolutely beautiful. Uh, we actually got a chance to tour the facility, and they showed how they set up these pods of care, whether it's cardiac care or if it's um, just a person who needs to come in to see um, a regular physician for an annual checkup just how they have set up that facility to really meet the needs of the person coming in. But it's not going to a sterile doctor's office. It's really exciting when you go into the facility. So I would say anyone who lives in Burlington County should get a chance to go over to Morristown Mall and check out the new digs for Cooper. That's awesome. And what I love about what you had said earlier about this purpose and, and preparation you are really taking the prep side really, really big for our students and trying to prepare them for whatever those emerging new skills are. So since it's now the new year, 2024, what are you seeing some of these unique emerging skills that are going to be needed for this next wave of these students that are coming in? 
We are still focusing, believe it or not, on soft skills. It is very important for our students and for our community to realize that whether a student pursues a traditional degree or an industry-recognized certification, that those basic communication skills, being able to reach people through your writing is critical. So uh, within the uh, workforce division, two of the departments that we did not talk about is career preparation and experiential learning. And that side of our division really focuses on ensuring our students have those skills of networking, uh, being able to write their narrative in a way that is really uh, engaging for the industry. You know, it's really funny that you said that. I, I, I did a lot of research um, about experiential learning, and I found that one of the, the biggest, um, you know, points for students that they don't have enough background and knowledge in is the soft skills. I mean, and as an, as an instructor here and a professor here, just some of the emails and some of the verbiage and some of the way they speak, just having, knowing how to, you know, craft an email in the right tone and the right voice, and then how to put themselves out there, how to speak to somebody, how to network. I mean, these are skills that a lot of people just don't see that they really need to, you know, boost in. Is that what you're seeing? Yes, the nuances of communication. For two years, almost three years, we were at home in our pajamas communicating with people through a screen. Uh, but there's things such as body language, uh, various uh, intonations in your voice that really makes the it total communication package. And those are the things that our students have to be able to practice so I'm glad we're back on campus. I'm glad we have these networking opportunities. And I'm a person who goes to all of the student networking opportunities when I get a chance to speak to students and to really help them with that part of it. Because I found in my life, it was my ability to just be able to reach out to another person and talk to them about how is your day? Oh, I love your car. What kind of job do you have? What does that mean? made the difference for me. Yeah, I think it's the little subtle things that I think a lot of people are forgetting, just those little subtle things from not being person to person and having those interactions. So I think that's that's wonderful. And I know your passion, you know, you just said about networking and communication and reaching out. And I think um, one of the really wonderful things you do is you are also not just engaged in, I think I see you your name everywhere and everything on campus. So you're definitely got your hands and all that. But you also are reaching out and you're part of a, a network of places in the community, one being the Alice Paul Institute. Why is that passionate to you? And why did you pick being a part of their board? I grew up in the Philadelphia region and just returned to the region in 2019. And when I came to work at RCBC, a young lady reached out to me and said, would you consider being a mentor for young ladies? And I was like, of course, you know, and that's how my relationship with Alice Paul started. And one of the conditions for my being on their board was that I could continue to be a mentor. 
that is one thing that I did not want to lose. Sure. Because when I was growing up, although these mentoring opportunities have always been there, sometimes our female students get lost in the shuffle because they have more responsibilities. I had to work. I had to babysit my sister's children. So those after-school activities, I didn't get to participate in. So I missed out on those internships I could have had in high school or those networking opportunities or even playing or sports in high school. I didn't get to do that because I had other more important things to do. Who was, who was somebody when you grew up that you looked up to as a mentor? As a, my mother and my father. My parents worked very hard. My mother was a creative. She worked in the garment industry, and she was a designer at heart, but she worked in a factory. She worked making five cents a pocket. So she did what was called piecework. Yeah. But when my mother had the opportunity to let loose behind a sewing machine, she would create things that were absolutely awesome. But her talent was valued based on where we lived and what she looked like. And I did not want that to be the case for me. And my mother had children very early. My mother didn't finish high school until I was in ninth grade. And my mother was a ferocious reader. She could talk to you about anything and everything. And people loved her. And I wanted to be like my mom. She worked in a factory, but my mother got dressed for work every day. You would have thought she was a CEO. My dad, I don't think there was a person he met that was a stranger. And I wanted to be as charismatic as my father was. <laughs> I think you've done that. We're going to check that box right now. Definitely, because when I first met you, you just have this way about you, your energy, your vibe. Um, you're just such a helpful person. Is that also from them, all that that connection of of wanting to reach out and wanting to help and wanting to be that resource and, and that mentor? That comes from my family collectively. Uh, I'm here in Burlington County. I have aunts in Burlington County and cousins in Burlington County, and that's just the kind of family I grew up in. If you could lend a hand, you lend it a hand. If a child needed a place to stay, you took that child in. If they needed clothes on their back, you bought clothes for them. Um, we weren't a family from great means, but we pulled together and we made it happen, not just for ourselves, but for other people also. So it's very interesting because I think that's a lot of students come to community college to have that experience as well, right? How would you tell a young lady that's going to start here or, or a lifelong learner from 16 to 90? how to be that person, how to be that mentor, how to be successful, how to stay positive, how to be that good communicator. What, what is a piece of advice that you could give to young women? There's two things that I live by. One, never be afraid to say hello because you never know who you're engaging. And the other is never be afraid to say that you don't know. So true. So true. Um, you said you your mother was a creative. I think you also have obtained that creative knack. You were a logo creator, a marketing press 
packets, a jewelry maker, a personal care product creator. Wow, all starting at the age of 16. Tell me about the jewelry making. That sounds fun. Uh, When I had my daughter, I needed extra income. I worked in higher education. Okay. I didn't make a lot of money. And I got to travel abroad one time. Okay. And I went to a place once called Mumbai. And the colors just overwhelmed me. Everything was absolutely beautiful. And I wanted to come back and recreate that. I grew up in a family that believed in the Native tradition that is part of my background. So I grew up beading and things like that. But once I moved south, I was able to get my certification in welding. And I became a metalsmith. You need to add that <laughs> to your list of uh, welder. We'll put you in facilities here. We'll get you some work, some more work on top of all the work you already do. Welding. Amazing. Yes. Yeah, so I had the opportunity when I first came to RCBC with the first fashion show that I ever saw. Yeah. I provided all the jewelry for the fashion show. That's amazing. And so do you still have time to do that every now and then? You kind of pull it back out. You get inspired. Uh, I do special pieces uh, for weddings, special events, sure. things like that, but I don't do it on a mass uh, production anymore. So the telegram, the jewelry making, the logo maker, you're a mentor for young women. And then this is interesting, prison arts and reentry programs that doesn't seem like it would fit in there. Tell us about that. Tell me about your history there. In the early 2000s, I became an art collector. I worked at Temple University, and they had a large art festival every year. And I got to know many of the artists who came and showed their work. And my mother and I really hit first. We dived in head first. You know, we bought everything that we could buy. And there's a framing company, uh, on University of Pennsylvania's campus where we would have our artwork framed and and they would have all of these beautiful pieces just sitting around. And I asked, where did you get those pieces from? Are they for sale? He said, absolutely. We got them from Greaterford Prison. They're from the work that the prisoners produced. And that's how I ended up with the Prison Arts Project. It is actually mentoring men who are in the reentry program and teaching them how to monetize their art. Because Amazing. sometimes we forget about that population. We just think that, um, you know, people go and they serve their time for whatever they have been convicted of. But we don't teach them how to be productive citizens at the time they leave. But we also don't assess the skills that they have when they're there. And that's the piece I think that's really missing in our corrective system. Many of the men and women who are incarcerated are just amazing when it comes to business and finance and art. It, it, It is overwhelming. It's not just their title of what they were convicted of. It's the other piece of the person. And I think a lot of that is lost. Yes. So what has been your most powerful memory moment person that you met through that artwork that 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 has transpired from being a part of that arts program the reentry arts program 
Actually, it's not someone that I met in a prison arts program. It's actually the person who made me fearless in going into that program. Um, My uncle was once incarcerated at Greaterford Prison, and he became an artist in prison. And I must have about 85, 90 original drawings of his. Wow. And that's what made me fearless. Because I loved my uncle. He was a good guy. He was charismatic. He wasn't the person that society said he was. He was an awesome artist. And he was my uncle. That's amazing. What, what, what were some of his pieces? Did he had themes or was it, was it painting? Was it, what, what was it that? He did many pencil sketches. Okay. Uh, my favorite is Eartha Kitt. Oh wow! There's your your <laughs> your music and your uh, celebrity yes. uh, jazz uh, to t- you know contact there. And he drew a picture of my mother when she was 14 years old. Oh, and that hangs on my wall today. But I have all of his artwork, uh, and there is a plan that um, Philadelphia should know what Philadelphia produced, and they produced him. And at some point, all of his artwork will be given to. Uh, museum in Philadelphia. That's a beautiful story. And I think what's so charismatic and unique about you is that you have, you know, I tell my film students and my creative students all the time, you have to kind of almost be this one person band. You have to have a little bit of this, a little bit of that, a little bit of knowledge about this and that. And it's like, you know, I'm here talking to you, you've got jewelry making, you've got singing, you have this uh, reentry artist program. And now you're dealing with cybersecurity month and people and, you know, I mean, you just wear so many hats and you have, you have such a touch on all these unique areas. What would you say to students about that? Because I try and share that with students all the time. Like you need to expose yourself to many things, even though you're creative, like I'm a filmmaker, I still love looking and seeing courses about business or about renaissance, you know, writings or poetry or something like that. Like you, I think some of the skills that are needed is, is definitely a well-rounded student. Can you touch on maybe your feelings on that? I love to learn. Yeah. When I was growing up there, there was a term for people who love to learn. They called you a nerd. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and yes. <laughs> when I was younger, I I couldn't embrace that part about myself. Okay. But as I've matured, and I tell students all the time, embrace the nerd in you. It's okay to have um, uh, a desire to learn about many different things. Granted, there is something that you do need to specialize in. My mother did say that. Uh, but it's okay to want to know a little bit about everything. And I'm just wired that way. It's not a good or a bad. Everyone is not designed to do the same thing. And sometimes we want to model ourselves after people. And that's part of the becoming comfortable with yourself. We want to model ourselves after people. People see me and they say, Dr. Thomas. And then they'll say, you're not like other doctors. (laughs) I get the same thing. (laughs) And and I'm not. And it took me a long time, especially working in academia, 
to realize that it was okay for me to be different. A lot of people don't get that. Because what yeah. I was called to do and the students I was called to touch are different than the students other people are called to touch. Best moment or teaching moment for you in higher education? That's hard to say because I look at every experience. I don't look at my career as a continuum. Every day is a brand new day with something new to learn and something new to do. I remember when I first became an adjunct, uh, I, I thought I was a disaster. <laughs> I really did. I, I failed. I had a class of 30 students and I failed 28 students. And, and the dean called me in and she said, what is this? And I think when I learned I was on the right track and I had done the right things is when my students came and said, no, she's right. We should have failed. We didn't do what we were supposed to do. And those students retook my class the next semester. One thing that I believe in is when you know you're right, you have to have a line of integrity that you never cross. And I knew I was right. Mm -hmm. And I stood on it. Stand by your word, yeah. Mm -hmm. And you have to be willing to be planted in truth. Truth and integrity are very important. I couldn't agree with you more. Um, you know, what I think is so passionate, I know learning is your passion. What are some other passions of yours, or maybe they're even hobbies that turn into passions? It's having conversations like this with strangers, with people I know. They help me to grow, and I know they help other people to grow. I'm not nearly finished what it was I was called here to do. Well, of course, you're a lifelong learner. You're never finished. And, and that, that's the important thing for me. That's the passion. Um, just by talking with you, I learn things about your students. I learn things about your program. And a light bulb will go off and say, wow, maybe we can do this. Brooke, how can we get this done? I'm a very similar <laughs> like connector. I feel like we're connectors because I do the same thing. Like I'll hear somebody say something I'm like, ooh, I could do something with you. Or maybe we could work together to do something. Or I have an idea. Or there's somebody that I know that you should know. And I feel you are that person as well. So I think that's why we kind of on the same plane. And I'm also a lifelong learner. I used to teach in the Lifelong Learning Institute here. And, and I loved it. I thought it was such an exciting opportunity, you know, to provide, you know, knowledge to anybody and everyone that was continuing to want that knowledge and that, that, you know, like thriving for it that Absolutely. they were missing. And I think that's what's so really wonderful about RCBC's, the Lifelong Learning Institute. And, and workforce, I think a lot of people need to know about that there's, there, there are industries out there that are emerging constantly every day. What was hot five, 10 years ago has changed, or maybe it's the same, but what you need to get into that has changed. And you guys do an amazing job. Can you share some of the unique things that you're doing at Workforce right now? We do a lot of data analysis. We talk to a lot of businesses. 
And right now we're focusing on what are these industries looking for in new employees? And the pendulum has swung a little bit. There was a time when you had to have a bachelor's degree or you had to have a master's degree. And now we're looking at businesses saying, do you have a certification in this discipline? For cybersecurity, you know, do you have your A-plus certification? It's not so much about the degree anymore. And we're seeing that and we're hearing it in the news where people are taking off of their job announcements that you have to have a bachelor's degree. Yes. They're only asking for high school diploma. We have a business partner in our region that doesn't even list that you need a high school diploma to work there. So the tide has changed a little bit. So it's important for us to stay on top of that kind of information so that we are telling our students the things that they really need to know to be competitive in the market. When I was coming up, the reason why I'm a doctor is not because I've always dreamed of being a doctor. It's because I grew up with the understanding that the more degrees you had, the more marketable you were. It wasn't until I became an, a, a seasoned adult that I realized that wasn't true. <laughs> But you're still glad that you have the letters. <laughs> I still, I'm still glad I have the letters. I actually completed two doctorate degrees and Wonderful. almost completed a third. So, you know, like I said, I'm a lifelong learner. Once I got in the groove of school, it was like that's where I belong. That's awesome. Kudos to you. So I have these like special cards that I use every once in a while. And um, I have no idea what these questions are. So I'm going to I'm going to ask a few. And we'll see what these are. So I have no idea what these are. So we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna pull one out. How can I stay motivated when obstacles arise? That's a good one for you because you're in so many different things. So how do you stay motivated to keep on keeping it on? I have learned throughout my life to look at obstacles as true learning experiences. And I know that people say that all the time, but they can't give you the practical application of it. But what I do is when I have a failure or an obstacle that I'm really trying to, to get over, I write it out. I'm a writer. I've been planning since the day I could write. What was the good thing that happened? Uh, what were the words that were spoken? Um, maybe there was a misinterpretation. I'm not a person who gets angry. I have learned to see all three sides of the coin. I can see where, you know, there may be a shortcoming in my delivery or a misinterpretation. And then you try to go back and you rectify that as quick as possible. That's a, that's, that's a great piece of uh, tidbit of info to, to send to the young students today, because I think they don't realize that, that it's okay to be wrong or change your mind and go back and change that. A lot of people don't think that they have that opportunity. Right. And I think that's, that's very unique. So I've been writing down little notes throughout our entire uh, piece here of uh, unique words that have just popped up that are powerful. And I use these almost as like hashtags throughout our conversation. And then I'm going to ask you, 
what your personal hashtag is. So let's hear. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna read off of all of our really interesting words that we've talked about today. Nerd, art collector, achieve skills, lifelong learning, fun, healthcare, soft skills, experiential learning, engaging. Body language, communication, network, reach out, hello, tradition, embrace, wired, be different, new day, right track, truth, integrity, grow, three sides, comfortable with yourself, and the last word, embrace the nerd. I love that. (laughs) What's your personal hashtag? Write the vision. And I live by that. It... The entire um, line goes right the vision and make it plain. So that when you go to execute that vision, you will understand what it is you're supposed to do. And although the result may not come immediately, it will come. It is a promise. And so often, People make rash decisions or they make decisions without all the information or they're making a decision and think that 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 decision cannot be changed. The vision for my life has been morphing every year. Every state that I've lived in has changed it a bit. Every region I've lived in has changed it a bit. The people that have come across my path have helped to expand it. And I'm grateful for that. But the vision's never changed. How I'm helping people is changing because I'm gaining new knowledge, because I have a new network. But it stays plain. And I'm trying my best to stay on course. Well, I couldn't ask for a better uh, wrap-up of this conversation. I want to say thank you so much for joining us here on the Baroness Podcast. I appreciate you joining me today. Thank you for having me, Brooke. This was fun. (laughs) And sharing your dreams, your visions, your wants, your wishes. Uh, I guess we're going to make sure everybody continues down this motivational path that you're on. I love it. Um, purpose and preparation, being comfortable with yourself. Dr. Sean Thomas with us today. And you have been listening to the Baroness Podcast. Take care. Thanks. You've been listening to the RCBC Baroness Podcast, which highlights women in leadership while encouraging listeners to build their skills, connect with the community, and visualize the opportunities available to women in various professions. For more information about this podcast or other podcasts available on the RCBC Podcast Network, visit rcbc.edu slash podcast. And be sure to subscribe to the RCBC See Baroness Podcast available on all streaming platforms.